the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm Dudley Rutherford, and I'm the pastor of Shepherd Church, which is one church on three different campuses here in the greater Los Angeles area, Porter Ranch, Woodland Hills, and Aquadulce. I am so excited about our new home right here on KKLA and the 7 p.m. time slot. Thank you for joining me today. Our radio program is called Lift Up Jesus. Don't you love that name? Lift Up Jesus, because we exist to lift up Jesus and the life-changing truth of the gospel. So whether you're driving right now or listening at home or at work, I want you to join me nightly at 7 o'clock p.m., Monday through Friday on KKLA. There is nothing like immersing yourself in the Bible each and every day to completely transform your life. So every day at 7 p.m., we're going to open up God's Word, hear bold, uncompromising teaching about faith, family, and daily life. I want you to know that Shepherd Church is only about a 20 or 30 minute drive from anywhere in this city. We are a multiracial, multi-generational church that is built on biblical preaching, dynamic worship. We have ministries for every stage of life you may be going through. Children's programs for toddlers to teens, a sports ministry with leagues and programs for kids to adults, and care ministries for those who are going through divorce, grief, or serious illness like cancer. You can visit our website at liftupjesus.com. You have that? Liftupjesus.com. Thank you for tuning in to Lift Up Jesus with me, Pastor Dudley Rutherford. You'll be enriched and encouraged by today's message. So let's dive right in. Topography. I want you to say the word topography. Uh, Topography is the study of the shape and features of land surfaces. And topography teaches us that you can never be in a valley unless you're positioned between two different mountains. That's what makes a valley. I think of being in the valley. I always uh, remember uh, Bishop Ulmer who once said, by definition, if you're in a valley, all it means is that you have left one mountaintop and you're on your way to the next mountaintop. Can someone say amen? Amen. And in between part, the valley, is where I'm often weighed down. It's in the valley where I often find myself discouraged. And so I guess what I want you to know and get from this sermon today is that your journey, uh, wherever you are in life right now, is not yet over. That whatever valley you're facing, whatever valley you find yourself, that you're not alone. That God is always with you. Amen? Amen. And Amen. I want to look at six great valleys. Each of these six valleys is a picture of how God is with us in the valley. Valley number one, write this down, is the valley of Siddim. This is the valley of the slime pits, the valley of the tar pits. This first valley, the valley of Siddim, is for someone here today where you feel like you're at the lowest point of your life. You are in the literally depths of the valley and you think that everyone has given up on you and that no one cares about you, 
and that no one understands you and you finally get to a point where you think there's absolutely no way out and there's no one who cares, I want you to know that God is with you even in that valley. Number two is the Valley of Eshkol. Eshkol is located just inside of what's called the Promised Land. Eshkol is the place where the Jews had to make a life-changing decision. Write that down. They had to decide right there on the edge of the Promised Land. Are we going to obey God and enter into the Promised Land? Or are we going to disobey God and go back to the land called the Wilderness? The valley of Eshkol is really the valley of decision. And I just want you to know that every decision you make, that God is with you. I don't care what the decision is. Uh, God is there. He, uh, some of you are thinking about getting married. Some of you are thinking about getting unmarried. Some of you are thinking about some financial decision. Some of you are seeking God's will concerning some issue. Like maybe you're thinking about moving out of state or You're thinking about some life change direction or your relationship with God. Learn this, hear this, that the moment you became a Christian, God put His Spirit, His presence inside of you called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is here to counsel you, to guide you, to direct you, to lead you. Number three is the Kidron Valley. The Valley of Kidron is also called the Valley of the Kings. That valley that exists between Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives, there's a massive cemetery that's located in the Kidron Valley. That valley's called the Kidron Valley. Of course, Jewish people would never bury their dead inside the city walls. They would always bury their loved ones outside the city walls. And the Kidron Valley to the east of Jerusalem is where Jewish people believe that one day the Messiah will appear. Now, most Jewish people are waiting for Jesus to appear the first time. Those of us who are believers and even Jewish believers believe that Jesus has already come the first time. We're waiting for him to come the second time. Can someone say amen? But Jewish people who are living in Jerusalem believe that the Messiah has not yet appeared, but they believe that when he does appear that he will appear from the east and that he will raise the dead and he will judge mankind and then he will enter into what's called mount moriah we know in the kidron valley we believe that james is buried in that cemetery some say that samson is buried in that cemetery we know that absalom is buried in that cemetery and zachariah is buried in the kidron valley the valley of kidron write this down is the valley of suffering I want you again to think about Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What is the valley of the shadow of death? What is that? The valley of the shadow of death. Well, it's not death, it's the shadow of death. So it either, it's that point in your life where you think you're going to die, you're not dead, but you think you're going to die. You're in the shadow of death. Or perhaps it means that you're actually walking among those who have already died. And you're in the shadow of their casket, so to speak. Can you imagine when you look at this cemetery, the amount of suffering, not from the people who died, but from the families of those who buried their loved ones. 
Whenever I drive by a cemetery, whatever cemetery I go through, I can't help but think of the grieving and the suffering, not of those who have died, those who have been laid to rest, but from the family members who have laid loved ones to rest. And you multiply that suffering to the number of grave markers that you can see, the amount of tears and the amount of heartache and the amount of grieving and the amount of suffering is beyond measure. And I just want you to know that God is in the valley of Siddim. He is there in the valley of sin, wooing you out of that valley. God is in the valley of Eshkol, the valley of decision. But God is also in the Kidron Valley, the valley of suffering. You are not alone. There are people all over this room that are suffering from every imaginable uh, possibility of things in their life that they are broken and they're hurting and they're suffering and They think that there's no one who cares and no one who understands, but I want you to know that God is with you in your suffering. He is with you in your suffering. Number four is the Valley of Elah. Everybody say Elah. Elah is the exact place. It is the exact place where 12-year-old David, with his little slingshot, defeated the giant from Gath named Goliath. The valley of Elah represents the valley of the battle where battles are fought. I want you to remember that every battle you face, that God is with you. There are people here today who are battling with sin. Some of you are battling with temptation. Some of you are battling right now with some addiction in your life. Some of you are battling with cancer. Some of you are battling with unemployment. Some of you are battling just your own emotions. Maybe you're battling, your atti- you have an attitude battle going on, some relationship struggle, a financial struggle, a health struggle, a battle with your heart and for your soul. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You're not thinking straight if you don't understand that all of the battles that we face are spiritual battles. They're not physical battles. They're spiritual battles. And that's why Ephesians 6.10 tells us to put on the full armor of God and to be strong in the Lord and to be strong in His mighty power. Why would the Bible tell us to be strong in His mighty power? Well, it's because your power is not enough. Your strength is not enough. Your wisdom is not enough. But God's power and God's strength and God's spirit and God's wisdom is more than enough to get you through any battle. You know the story when David was out to fight that giant that Saul put his coat of armor on a little 12-year-old boy and a little 12-year-old boy put that big coat on and he couldn't even walk with that coat on. That coat represented man's power. So David, just a 12-year-old boy, he took that coat off. He went out there and faced that giant. Had nothing but his little slingshot. But he had put on the armor of God. And the Bible says he defeated that giant that day. David knew the text in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15, that says the battle is not yours, but the battle belongs to God. The psalmist says, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I just want you to remember that whatever battle you're facing today, that God is with you. 
The fifth valley is the Valley of Achor. The Valley of Achor, you can read about this valley in Joshua chapter 7. There's a guy named Achan. Achan, uh, it's kind of a crazy story, but God told the Israelites, when you go in and you capture a city, don't take anything for yourself. And one guy, one guy, Achan, he went in a tent and stole some things. And the Bible says, if you've never read the story, you need to read the story, that God punished all of Israel because one guy messed up. The Valley of Achor, write this down, is where discipline happens. It's the Valley of Discipline. A couple of weeks ago, my parents, and I've not heard this in a couple of years, they called me on a speakerphone and they were both in a good mood. And they're always in a good mood, I mean, from time to time, but they've been through so many struggles health-wise that it was just, uh, you know, it was just strange to hear them both so bubbly. And they were driving in a car, and Dad says, son, I got you on a speakerphone. And he goes, your mother and I were thinking, we were just wondering, we just had a question for you. He goes, do you ever remember, because we can't remember, do you ever remember any one of, either one of us ever spanking you? See, they're almost 90, see? So they're starting to lose a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? My dad says, son, we just wonder if, if we, are, we can't remember any one of us ever spanked. So are you serious? And mom, mom says, yeah, son. I, she says, I can't. She goes, I never spanked you. I said, mom, you spanked us all the time. And then they fought. Dad followed. He goes, well, son, can you tell me one time? Can you, like, you name an instant when you spanked? I said, dad, I can give you. How much time do you have? And I said, Dad, do you remember the one time you spanked us? You spanked me once. I didn't do anything wrong. Here's the story, and, I, and I've told this a long time ago, but we had we have five children, but at one time, four of us were all going to the same elementary school. Imagine that. Four children all going to the same elementary school, and we walked to school in the snow. Not barefooted, but uh, we walked to school about two miles. Back in those days, your parents just sent you out the front door and said, get to school. Sometimes that worked out. Sometimes it didn't. But I remember walking to school a couple of miles. We had to cross a, a, the major highway. There were no stoplights. It was like playing froggy crossing the road. There were no cross guards. How many, how many of you remember those days? Okay. That's, yeah, you're old like me. We, you know, we used to play games all the way there and all the way home. There were no yard. There were no fences up. We played in people's backyard, the front yard. We just played games all the way back and forth of school. Uh, evidently, there was some parent in the neighborhood, uh, some, some resident that got upset with all the kids and, and complained and called the school. And so the school issued an edict, all the parents, that said, uh, please keep your children on the sidewalk to and from school. And so my dad sat all four of us kids down. And he said, if any of you get off the sidewalk, I'm going to spank all four of you. (laughs) And to me, that meant to stay in the middle of the sidewalk all the way to school and back. To my brother Dean, it meant to see if you could get home without touching concrete. (laughs) And you jump over them. And when we got home, I go, Dad, you spanked all four of us. You spanked me, and I didn't even do anything wrong. He laughed. He said, well, you did do something wrong. I go, what's that? He goes, you should have kept your brother on the sidewalk. I said, Dad, you and all your spankings couldn't keep your son on the sidewalk. What do I have to do with him? 
It was the story of Achan, wasn't it? But dad laid down the rules. And if we broke the rules, we were disciplined. Now, when we got older, we realized that our father's discipline was because he loved us. And the Bible, the Bible says, this is in the Bible. This is why you need to read your Bible. That the Lord disciplines those that he loves. And he punishes those that he accepts as his son. And so I say all this to say this, that whenever you're being disciplined by God, don't think that God has turned his back upon you. And there are a thousand, literally a thousand different ways that God can discipline us. But remember, even in the valley of Achor, in the valley of discipline, that the Lord is there as well. You have a box there. I want you to write this down as quickly as you can. This is all extra stuff just for you to chew on. Number one, valleys are inevitable. You can't escape a valley. The Bible, Jesus said in John 16, in this world you will have what? So this goes against all the health, wealth, and prosperity gospels, preachers. Jesus said, in this world you're going to have problems. Valleys are inevitable. Number two, valleys are unpredictable. You don't know when they're going to happen. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 4, he said, in an instant, in an instant, my tents were all destroyed. You don't, you don't know when your life is going to look like it's being destroyed. Valleys are inevitable. They're unpredictable. Number three, valleys are impartial. The Bible says that the sun rises on both the evil and the good. The Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But not only are valleys inevitable, unpredictable, impartial, here's what you need to get in your heart today, that valleys are only temporary. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, no valley, no valley is permanent. So many people, they call, oh, i got to talk to you, i got these problems. Okay, what's the problem? They talk for an hour telling me all their problems. Six months from now, they can't even remember what they were all upset about. It's true. Your struggle, your valley, give it some time. Eventually, you will find that problem solved. Don't live life thinking that you were destined for the valleys. The valleys are the period of drawing you nearer to God before He brings you to that next mountaintop. And number six is the Valley of Jezreel. One of the most important valleys in the entire Bible is the Valley of Jezreel. There's this little tell, little hill called the Tell of Megiddo. And from that tell, you can look across, and I have a picture of this valley, the Valley of Jezreel. It's the last great battle, what we know as the Battle of Armageddon, will be fought by the kings of the earth. And according to Revelation chapter 16, verse 16, it's the place where the Antichrist will rise up and attempt to conquer the entire world. And Satan will attempt to be the king of the world. But the valley of Jezreel is where the Lord will descend from heaven and he will come riding in on a white horse and he will wear the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and we shall reign with him forever. So the valley of Jezreel is the valley where victory comes. 
It's the place where the last battle will be fought. Christ will reign for all of eternity. And it again takes me back to that valley that you find yourself in today, whatever valley it is, that that valley, valleys are inevitable, they're unpredictable, they're impartial, but all valleys, all valleys are just temporary. Donald Barnhouse is a pastor, was a pastor of a large church in Philadelphia, and his wife died and left him to raise two young daughters by himself. He realized that he had to say something to his daughters to comfort his daughters and to put things in perspective, something he himself was already struggling with. And he was on his way to the funeral. And he was driving and he came to a stoplight. The sun was shining brightly. And as he was waiting at that stoplight, this big truck came along next to him and blocked the sun and cast a dark shadow inside his car. And he turned to his girls and he said, girls, I got a question for you. He asked, what would you rather be hit by, a truck or a shadow of a truck? Oh, daddy, that's a silly question, they said. Shadows can't hurt you. Shadows can't hurt you. And indeed, every valley you face, every valley you face is but a shadow They can't really hurt you, can they? The psalmist said, even though I walk through the valley of just a shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you, O God, are with me. True security is not found in the absence of pain. You'll never be absent of pain. But true security is found in the presence of a shepherd in the midst of your pain. And this is true not just theologically, it's true not just scripturally, but it's true experientially. Hindsight is always 20-20. When you look back over your life and you see all the mountaintops and the valleys, as you look back over your life, and every time you were in a valley, you can see that God was with you in that valley. And yet for some reason, when I find myself in a valley today, I forget what I see in my past. And I struggle and wonder, how am I going to get through this? I was but eight years of age when I gave my life to Christ. It was a Sunday morning. I walked down an aisle, this aisle. I was sitting with my mama, an eight-year-old boy. And I stepped out and I came down to the front. And my dad baptized me into Jesus Christ. That was a long time ago. But from that day till this day, God has always been here. When I was a teenager and I was struggling with my faith, God was there. And when I went to college and I was a, a million miles from home, He was there. And I was a young man trying to figure out how to be a husband and a father, which I'm still trying to figure out. God is still there. And when I started pastoring my first church, I got ran out of the church because I was too bold. God was there.
And when we merged two churches together of two different denominational backgrounds, God was there. And when my sister, my sister lost her four-year-old son to cancer, God was there. And not too long ago, when my brother was diagnosed with a rare form of bone cancer, God was there. And today, this very moment, as my father lies in a hospital room, and as my wife's father lies in a hospital room in the Midwest, God is still there. I do not know. I do not know. I do not know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Oh, I hope that you enjoy the radio program today on Lift Up Jesus with Dudley Rutherford. It should come as no surprise that my driving passion in life is to lift up Jesus everywhere I go and with everyone I meet. So often a person has never heard the life-changing message of the gospel. Or perhaps they at one time experienced the transformation that's only possible through Jesus Christ, but now for some reason they're discouraged or they're in need of hope. If that's you, if that is you, I want to encourage you to reach out to us at liftupjesus.com because we want to pray for you and we want to pray for you right now. Come visit us at Shepherd Church. If you can break away one weekend, we have three campuses in the greater Los Angeles area and multiple service times on both Saturday night as well as Sunday morning. So you really have no excuse to not come visit us. You will be so blessed by getting plugged into a biblically-based, Christ-centered church that strives to love God and to love people. You can call us toll-free at 888-818-4777. Let me say that again, 888-818-4777. Or visit us at our website, liftupjesus.com. We'd love to hear from you. We have a ton of resources at our website to help you in your walk with the Lord. Once again, this is Pastor Dudley Rutherford with Lift Up Jesus. Join me here tomorrow and every weekday at 7 p.m. as we continue to study God's Word and to lift up the name of Jesus. Jesus.